From the Los Angeles Times, this is Coronavirus in California, stories from the front lines. I'm Gustavo Arellano. It's Tuesday, April 14th. Today, since 1891, Union Rescue Mission has helped the hungry and homeless on Skid Row in downtown Los Angeles. It's seen the city transform from a backwater burb into a megalopolis, one where dreams can come true or quickly fall apart. Coronavirus has exposed its disparity in a way nothing ever has, according to the Reverend Andy Bales. He's a CEO of Union Rescue Mission. His group is in a particularly precarious situation. Homeless shelters are potential coronavirus hotspots. In one located in San Francisco, 70 people tested positive. In Los Angeles County so far, 28% of people who have died of COVID-19 lived in an institutional setting. One of those was Union Rescue Mission van driver Gerald Sharoma, 56, who passed away April 8th. Yet places like Union Rescue Mission are more in demand than ever before. It's the last place on Skid Road to offer free meals and is still taking in people with nowhere else to go. And those numbers are increasing. Blue Shield of California would like to take this moment to thank the mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, daughters, sons, friends, and heroes on the front line. This fight is tough, but so are you. And we're grateful for your courage and your dedication to keeping us all safe and healthy. Thank you. So, Reverend, uh, obviously you're in the business of being busy, but how busy are you right now? Well, the first 21 days of all of this, I worked an average of 14 to 16 hours a day without a, a day off and then finally came to my senses and worked from home on a weekend And then this week, I've learned to uh, go a little easier if I'm going to make it for the long haul. And I I would say that's true of our entire team. We've all been overdoing, but now getting more of a a paced approach, although still with the skeleton crew all working very hard. We sent everybody who could work from home home. We sent everybody over the age of 65 home if they chose to. And anybody with a secondary issue We also asked to not be present for a while, although I have a lot of issues and and I'm still working. You're the last place on Skid Row that's still offering hot meals, I I understand. Yes, and that's been a challenge, but we we became very creative. We invited uh, some restaurants who we've uh, worked with over the years, and I just saw the crowds coming in, and I knew we had about four to six weeks of food left and didn't know where we would get it, and all of a sudden, I I realized, hey, I can call Patty's Gourmet Pizza. And I called her and she actually hired back her staff that she had just laid off because the only contract she had left was with the military. So she had to lay a bunch of people off. And then I thought, well, if it worked with Patty's, I better call Subway because they do um, Christmas in July for us and they do a special Christmas dinner for us. And then I called Porto's who gives us $1.6 million of pastries a year and they're doing two meals a week. And then a very famous burger joint who wants to remain anonymous decided to do two meals a week. And so we're going to be okay as far as serving uh, both hot meals and and other throughout the duration, whatever whatever duration that is. You're seeing new faces uh, having those hot meals? Yes. Our meal, uh, lunch meal that is open to the public is up perhaps 40 to 50%. I know it was 33% the first day and it's been it's been building. Many people want to come in, sit down for a moment, have a hot meal, enjoy some community and it seems they want to linger. People are looking for community and and something steady and something to hang on to during this time and we want to affirm their dignity and 
give them a moment to enjoy a meal and sit down when when their life is so hectic right now. But what are you telling, especially the new people that you see, what are you telling them right now about this moment that we're living in? They are telling us mostly how grateful and thankful that they are. As I see new faces, I check on them. I found a 17-year-old boy the other day, and he just reminded me of my dad at that age without a home and very friendly, waved at me and came up looking for me later and said, I hear, I hear the reverend might send me home. I want to go home. So we sent him home to Ypsilanti. Michigan with $20 a day for food stops and, and some uh, packed food supplies to take on his way and sent him, sent him home by bus with five stops before he got to Ypsilanti. I understand that at the Union Rescue Mission itself, uh, there's actually a floor in quarantine right now. There is. They were going to be out tomorrow, and I had to go up today and say that one of their teammates who's been at the Mayfair Hotel since April 3rd, had just tested positive with COVID-19. So their their isolation was going to be one more week. And most took it very well. They were good sports, but some didn't take it so well. They're, they're cooped up. But for their own safety, we're going to continue uh, the isolation for a week. And I propose that they have a pool tournament one day and uh, the winner <laughs> would get $75 and the Second place would get $25, and the best sports person of the week would get $100. Now they've decided to play a card game the second day, ping pong the third day. They're going to do a different contest every day because they uh, they know that not all of them are great at pool. We're going to get them some board games. We're going to feed them uh, special meals from church groups. Uh, we're going to do whatever it takes. I promise them all, if the Dodgers season gets going again, I would take them all to a Dodgers game. There's only about 67 of those men left because we took the 27 most older and more vulnerable folks to hotels, to Dockweiler Beach, and got them isolated so that they'd be in better private lodging and and more nursing care than, than at Union Rescue Mission. Has the Union Rescue Mission ever seen something like this? And in other words, where so many people are in such need of help right now, not just when it comes to housing, but more importantly, with food. No, we've never seen anything like this. We've had a 128-year history. We went through the Great Depression, but the Great Recession tried us even more than the Great Depression. We fed 1.4 million meals during the Great Recession, even though the population only grew by three times since the Great Depression, we fed 10 times more meals during the Great Recession. Those two were the biggest challenges, but this is a bigger challenge by far because it's both number of people coming forward, the food needed for the long run when there's scarcity, and also the new medical approach. We've almost had to turn our mission into a mini hospital. In fact, the Department of Public Health said we're glad we had this experience of having to step up uh, and face this with you at Union Rescue Mission because you've really become a mini hospital, uh, wearing masks, wearing gloves, keeping six foot distance, adding sanitizers, adding wash stations. We've we've never had this complicated of a of an issue, and I've never felt the kind of stress on my chest that I felt. Uh, during this time. I guess that's a common symptom among us 
who are dealing with the COVID-19, uh, just the stress factor. We've even had people mimic the uh, symptoms uh, of yeah. COVID-19 simply from stress. And I, I've had a couple of heart attacks where it feels like an elephant is sitting on your chest. And, and the stress factor during this has been very comparable. This LA Times podcast is presented by Blue Shield of California. The fight is tough, but so are you. Thank you, Frontline. This advertiser has no influence over editorial decisions or content. You actually lost a, a member of your team to COVID-19. Yeah, that's been the, the most difficult news throughout all of this. It was like a spear to our souls, a, a real blow to our hearts. His cousin uh, reached out to us and and let us know, uh, uh, thank you for giving Gerald a new life, a new community, a new family. You helped him end well. He passed away 15 minutes ago, and that just hit like a ton of bricks uh, on our hearts. And I quickly had to notify all of our team members. Gerald was beloved by our entire team. And of course, we had to report his death. And, and it was just really hard. You know, we we prayed for an Easter miracle all week. We heard the ventilator was only working at 50% rather than 100%. And then he, uh, the last few days, slipped back to 80%. And then his organs started failing. And I, I was preparing the words, but I didn't want to admit the defeat of it all. But uh, we kind of knew the news was coming. But but when it hit, it was really, it was one of the toughest moments of my life to have to uh, lose a teammate. He came to us as a guest needing recovery. He entered our recovery program. He felt a, a load of guilt because he, he had been in addiction when his parents had died and he carried a load of guilt, but he, he was able with a chaplain to write a letter of apology to his parents, although they were deceased, and he was able to manage life uh, like we all have to do, manage ourselves in this weak flesh. And uh, he became a, a apprentice van driver, and he, he did so well that he was hired as a van driver, and he was all about town. He also uh, organized all the guys on his floor, along with his buddy and roommate, Michael Weber to go to church. Michael would rally the troops and Gerald would drive. And then when Michael Weber passed away from cancer, uh, Gerald took over and just every week took all the guys on his floor to City Light Church and had a close relationship with his pastor. And he, he had a, a brand new life. He um, made up with his family, most of his family. He visited back to Hawaii and, and took a recent trip. I I've learned he was the champion pool player on on the third floor. One guy said, you know, Gerald beat me 999 times and, and I beat <laughs> Gerald once. And then I heard that Gerald let me win. And and I guess he was just beloved. When I asked for pictures from everybody uh, that I could share, everybody sent pictures of Gerald by their desk. He He made friends with everybody at the mission. And he was on a championship volleyball team along with my nephew, who actually came from Iowa to, 
to deal with a meth situation and recovered. Wow. Right now, as you do offer your virtual church services, what scripture are you falling back on to try to tell the folks who are listening to you that we will be able to get through this? We will get to a better place at some point. So I just shared First Peter chapter 4 and 5, and at the very end it said, While you are suffering, do good to others as unto a faithful creator. So even as we're suffering through this, and believe me, we I don't think we've ever collectively suffered like we're suffering now. It just reminded us to do good as unto the faithful. Uh, I guess also, Esther, perhaps we're here for such a time as this. Many missions have closed their doors, won't let any new people in. We still do. I've received a lot of criticism for that, but I, I've said, you know, we're going to keep accepting new people Uh, We're not going to leave anybody out there to suffer on the streets who wants to come in. And we're going to continue to accept people who are sick. We're not going to let anybody suffer and die out on the streets. I've received some criticism for that. But, you know, I really believe that missions were placed here for such a time as this and that we were placed here for such a time as this. And I was placed here for such a time as this. And we're going to continue to step up to meet the need. Thank you so much for this interview, Reverend. Thank you so much. I appreciate your wonderful questions and your compassionate heart. That's it for today's episode of Coronavirus in California, Stories from the Front Lines. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story you want to share with us? Call our hotline at 213-986-5652 and leave us a message. That's 213-986-5652 or email me, gustavo.arellano at latimes.com. This podcast was hosted by me, Gustavo Arellano. Our producers are Paige Heimsen and Stan Lee. Our senior producer is Rena Palta, and our executive producer is Abby Fentress Swanson. Our engineer is Mike Heflin, and our original music was composed by Andrew Epen. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple. Special gracias to Julia Turner, Shelby Grad, Hector Becerra, and Clint Schaff. For the latest coronavirus stories by my LA Times colleagues, including an up-to-the-minute tracker of cases in California, don't forget to visit our website. Right now, access to facts has never been more important, and the LA Times is in the business of reporting them. Stay connected and subscribe because your subscription supports the production of podcasts like this one and our award-winning journalism. Visit latimes.com slash support LA Times to subscribe. Stay safe and see you tomorrow.